You are listening to episode 187 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we get up to mischief in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we played a little bit of Mischief Makers, or really last week. We played right after most recent recording. And um, yeah, I played Mischief Makers on the N64. Ryan, I don't know how I feel about this one. Yeah, I was excited about this. I've always heard good things, and now I feel meh feelings. And yeah. we'll go over that today. Yeah, we will. Uh, but also in this episode, we're going to be talking about the biggest announcements from the Summer Game Fest uh, that just took place. Uh, Netflix and it's impressive. I would say Ryan impressive lineup of games and, uh, and shows. Uh, so that's pretty good stuff. Uh, we're also going to talk about, uh, Microsoft planning seeds for cloud gaming. And, uh, we'll dive into our inflation deflation challenge at the end of the episode. But first, uh, you can find this episode on thegameinflators.com, our out of date website, on the podcast app you're listening to now, as well as other podcast apps, and on social media at Game Deflators on Twitter and at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. And Ryan, what do the people need to do? Uh, leave us a review, like six, seven stars. Um, I hear they're reaching for eight these days. Yeah, you know, you could just do whatever 10. you can manage. Yeah, you can do ten. You just leave it on two different platforms. Five star reviews that works too. All right, well recent pickups and currently playing uh i will start that first um, one doesn't count john nobody yeah. cares <laughs> it does because i'm picking myself up uh <laughs> so i got a pull-up bar which was nice like the whole like big setup in the like that's on the ground uh versus like in the doorway so that's kind of cool uh just want to point that out uh i got magic the gathering cards what's different you know i always picking them up although i will say i played a tournament last night and i played a deck that actually does spank pretty good uh when it when it can go up against the right team you know right match i keep getting screwed every week dude like yeah. i just keep going against the decks that are like anti what i'm playing every week are like, you playing too into the meta or are you playing out of the meta like how are no, you getting I, I, i'm playing within the meta that's what's crazy i'm just getting matched up against decks that are going to destroy me and so like i, I was pissed like the last time i played out there I went three and one, but they didn't go five rounds. So I already talked about that this week. I, the first deck I played was like number one in the meta right now, which is fine, but it's a beatable deck. The problem is the deck I was playing doesn't match up well against that deck. And so the other two decks I played, I beat um, right after that. So it's two and one. And then I somehow got paired up to somebody else who's playing angels and a deck doesn't do well against angels. Like, so coincidentally, the deck I played a few weeks ago, uh, would have beat the angels deck and it would have beat the other decks I played, but mm -hmm. it wouldn't be, it probably wouldn't have beat. The, no, it would have beat the first deck because, uh, one of the guys I play with there, um, that I, that I talk with quite a bit, he was actually playing the deck I played a few weeks ago, just a few modifications. And he beat the deck that I lost to in the first round. So it's like, dude, I can't win. Like every single time I, I go out to a tournament, I just end up playing whatever's like anti my deck that happens to be strong against it. It's so frustrating. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I might also change shops that I play at because I'm kind of getting pissed off at the way that they handle their prize support. It's just extremely inconsistent. Like, you know, I asked him, I said, hey, is it a pack per entry this week? And he's like, oh, no, it's not a pack per entry this week. I'm like, 
but the cost of entry has not changed. Like there's nothing different. You know, we're still paying $10 to enter the tournament. And a couple weeks ago, you gave a pack on entry and this week you're not like there's inconsistent. Like I'd rather leave with like one pack in hand because of my 10 bucks I'm playing than like him prize it out the top four, which you have to. And based on how they do their rounds, you could have three or four people that are like, you know, three O or whatever, or four O. And then, you know, when a couple people three, one, and you're sitting on the outskirts of three, one, because you had a poor matchup here and there, it's just the weirdest thing. So I'm really not happy with the way that they handle their, their prize support. I'm not happy with the way they structure their prize support on a week to week basis. A lot of shops, at least in, in my past that I've gone to, it's a, a standard, you know, and we saw this with Authoria, right? Authoria, you go and it's like, Hey, we're doing draft this week. It's a pack per win. It's a pack on entry um for at least you know pack per win but if you're like last place you get a pack because you entered right like everybody leaves with at least something and while it's not a super competitive scene which i like the super competitive scene there's consistency on that so that's kind of what bugs me the most i think is that i'm paying the same amount every week and they're changing you know oh well you get a promo this week or no you don't get a promo this week or you get a pack this week no you don't get a pack this week and oh we're prizing out top four for 24 people but the next week we have 24 reprising out top eight like it's just so all over the place and it's gotten to the point where i think i'm just going to switch shops so that's where i'm at with that um the other thing i picked up was two monitors so i got two 27 inch uh 1440p monitors for the computer and uh, I think they're 175 hertz for these monitors. So the contrast ratio isn't like amazing. I think it's a thousand to one. And they generally recommend like a thousand to three thousand to one on contrast ratio. Um, but I mean, total, it was like 200 bucks for two 27 inch monitors with speakers and then two display ports and two HDMI ports for each monitor. So and that's really what I wanted. I saw some some MSI monitors and those monitors in particular had like I would have preferred them from a contrast ratio perspective, but they only had like one display port and one HDMI and you yeah. see my setup. Like I have my work computer here, plus my normal computer, plus all my video game uh, mini consoles. So I realistically do need, you know, the extra display port and the extra HDMI. So now I could technically run, um, you know, two display ports for my, my standard laptop for work. And then I can do two display ports coming from my, my regular desktop once I get a new graphics card. And if, uh, if you're listening and you've seen the current GPU market, uh, AMD just released some new GPUs recently. It was the, I think the 6650, uh, the 6750. And I think it was, yeah, I think that was it. Um, yeah, 6750, 6650. And then there was, I think a 65, if I'm correct. And, uh, they're in the market at 540 bucks and they're all over the place. Uh, you can find them everywhere online and, uh, that's a good sign. Uh, so they're supposed to be releasing like the 7,000 series for GPUs in probably the October, November timeframe. And so, uh, those are supposed to be around the same price point actually as what's currently on the market. And they're supposed to be about four times as good as what they have currently in the market. So, um, I'm hoping to see either a price reduction in the, the highest quality uh, GPU that they have currently when the new ones release or seeing enough in the market in October, November to pick up a new GPU uh, of the 7,000 series. So I know I had this conversation, dude, like two years ago and I didn't get my hands on GPU. So I am 100% getting a GPU, whether it is 
this current generation or the next generation coming on October, I'm going to have one by October. So, so same plan as last time. Well, yes, except <laughs> you got to consider that last time the GPUs came out at an affordable price and they were about as powerful as like the 2080 Ti uh, from NVIDIA. And the TI at the time was still running like 800 bucks or something, like some stupid price. Whereas these newer GPUs were sitting at about the same quality and were like hundreds of dollars cheaper. So they're consistently, they're supposed to be releasing GPUs at a very good price point um, in the next uh, round that comes out. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, even if those like sell out quick, I can still, I, I can today get my hands on GPU if I want to. It's just not the one I want. Um, and I'm not about to drop $800 on a GPU that's going to be outclassed by the entry-level GPU in the next series coming out. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but we'll see, dude. It's, you know, I'm not doing any PC gaming right now. I got the PS5, but I got the monitors. That'll all be set up here pretty soon. And then when I get the GPU, I'll be ready to go. So, uh, and then as far as uh, what I'm currently playing, so I finally beat Ocarina of Time. Tell me, tell me about Lord of the Elden Ring. Elden Ring. I just told you I beat Ocarina of Time, and you're like Elden Ring. Yes, that's what I'm waiting for. I, who you didn't even care about beating Ocarina of Time, did you? No, I, I put my <laughs> my infer or not my infer uh, my my thoughts on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and immediately got bombarded by the hordes of. Uh, legend of zelda purists who still believe that ocarina of time is the greatest game of all time when in all honesty i don't even think it like cracks the top three in in zelda games and you know so i will i will address my point really quick uh and it won't be really quick it'll take a little bit here but ocarina of time i i don't look at it from a lens of oh the game is old it's really bad because it's old like that's not the case like the game was re-released on the 3ds with i would say upscaled graphics right on the 3ds and i wanted to play it on original hardware so i knew going in graphically it wasn't going to be the best and that's fine because graphically i think it, it kind of actually holds up um, in the way i was playing it the issue i have is primarily with the story it's with the direction of the game and um and that's i think the biggest part of it is you know gameplay wise totally revolutionary totally get it you know, the lock on targets, the, the jumping around, the dodging mechanics, like all of that is stuff that I do today in Dark Souls, right? Yeah, for uh, its day, or, it was definitely yeah, what it was. Yeah, and it was phenomenal in its day, right? Like that, I, I totally can, uh, I guess, I can totally respect agree with that, the right? legacy. Yeah, exactly. So like, I can totally respect the fact of where it was and everything, right? And I'm I'm looking at it from a lens of fresh eyes, right? no nostalgia and i think the bulk of what i see is when people are like oh it's the greatest game ever they're looking at it from a lens of nostalgia and you know because most of these people they, that was their first zelda game or they played it on the n64 or like they were playing super nintendo and nintendo versions and then they made the jump and were like oh this is the greatest thing ever but like they they kind of disregard the story of it like link is a fucking potato in that game man like and i mean in most games he is I mean, but he's pretty much always kind of a yeah potato. he's always a potato but like it just the story did not it, it just didn't capture me like it just really didn't I, i'm told by a giant tree that i need to save the world and go find princess zelda and get the ocarina of time and like it, it just had there was no consistent flow it was just oh save 
Link, here's the Ocarina. You're going to have to go back in time and solve these temples and get all the sages together. And then when the sages come together, they're going to let you into a castle in the future. And then you're going to defeat Ganon and save the world. Like there was just no true structure to it. Like, and I never felt like when I finished a temple, like on the map, it showcased where I needed to go. Right. But like when you finished a temple, they're like, oh, thank you so much. Blah, 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 blah. And then it doesn't it doesn't like specifically tell you like on your next leg of your journey, you need to do the following and and like and enhance the story of it. Right. It was just let me open my map. OK, I see a gold dot. I have to go there. OK, so and so has a problem. Let me address said problem and enter this temple for no particular reason, because I have to go in like it just didn't flow, dude. It just wasn't good. And even like and the Sheik storyline, like the Sheik storyline was OK, but, you know, and me knowing, you know, Sheik and Zelda are pretty much one in the same there. Um, it, obviously, there's no surprise to that. And I can see from a, you know, back when you first played it and you didn't know type of thing, like how cool that could be. But there's better games out there, man, like Final Fantasy seven, I think, came out the year before. I know it's not open world concept and that's not what I'm arguing on. I'm arguing on quality of story quality of gameplay, all these other things that are involved in gaming other than, oh, it's like the greatest thing of its time because of what it did. There are so many other games out there that are better. You have Half-Life that was released around the same time. You have Metal Gear Solid was released, I think, the same year. Banjo-Kazooie, I think, has a stronger story, to be honest. And, of course, Final Fantasy VII came out before it. I mean, that's four quality games right there that are much better than Zelda, Ocarina of Time. And the fact that it still gets held up on its pedestal is ridiculous. Like even today, there's people like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Breath of the Wild sucks. Like, yeah, I uh, that's I got to agree. I mean, I didn't even make it all the way through the game. I don't really think I agree with you on all the points, um, but I definitely think that, you know, more modern audiences and probably audiences going on into the future. Like if this missed you and me, and this was like a game of our generation for sure, then I don't really think there's a lot of chance that, you know, down the road, as legendary as this game is, it's really going to live up to that status for younger and younger generations. And it sometimes when I think about stuff like that, it makes me even think like, you know, we're working so hard, a lot of people are on game preservation but a lot of these games that people are like trying really hard to preserve, like in the future, it'll be great to have that knowledge around. But I mean, it's not going to make a huge difference to a whole lot of people. It's, well, it's going to become more and more niche. Like there will be a day where, you know, the legend of Zelda is like, you know, not relevant anymore, probably. And at that point, people will talk about this game and, and people just kind of won't even really play it. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of like really stellar arcade games that mm-hmm. really helped establish and build video gaming that I'm sure people even nowadays don't even go back and play very often. Well, and, you know, I kind of I, I want to bring up also, you know, I think this particular game is overrated. Uh, I haven't played Majora's Mask yet, but like Wind Waker. I love Wind Waker. I've yeah, heard great things. I've heard great things of Breath of the Wild. I haven't played Twilight Princess, but I'm sure you that one's played Breath of the Wild. No, dude, I haven't played it because I, I haven't bought it yet. 
<laughs> like I just, it's one of those games that's just kind of sat there and I just haven't dove into it. I got so many other things in the backlog, but after a while, it's just not at the top of that list. Yeah. So, um, which is crazy because the game's been out so long. Like I have actually, you know, I have it on the Wii U, but it's sealed mm. on the Wii U. Um, but like I had a guy the other day to, you know, I, I'd mentioned in my post, like, all right, time to play Elden Ring. The guy's like, oh, uh, Souls games are overrated, my guy, not Legend of Zelda. Oh, I Zelda. saw that. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> but, and I'm like, I didn't say Legend of Zelda games are overrated. I said, this game is yeah. overrated. And you know what? Like, yeah, Souls games are overrated, but there's some consistency in them. And there's also different storylines that you approach every single game. And okay. No, don't. I, I I don't know that I would go. What the storylines that are different? <laughs> well, the, con- what the storylines are all just dude at the end of the world lighting the fire or not lighting the fire. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> there's an I mean undead the de- village in there somewhere. I mean the development of the different characters and such within each respective area. Like so far, I'm still trying to get a hold of the lore and storyline to Elden Ring right now, but they are extremely hard to follow. Like you have to watch videos to understand the lore of that stuff. Whereas like Zelda, I didn't need to watch a video on Ocarina of Time because it was that bland of a story and that simplistic in what was happening. Uh, Elden Ring has like deep lore or not Elden Ring specifically, but Souls games generally have some very deep lore tied to them. I will say though, out of all of the Souls games that I've played, I think Sekiro is the, um, I would say the most fleshed out one. It's the most directly narrative. Yes. And I still think it is the best one out of the entire, like even after playing some Elden Ring so far, I'm like level 29. Sekido is still by far my favorite. I think the, the big difference is like in most of the souls games, like you feel like everything's already happened and you're just kind of coming upon the aftermath of most things as things are winding down. Whereas in Sekido, like, you're like kind of in the middle of the action. Like you're trying to save the emperor. Like the war is happening. Yeah, exactly. And like Elden Ring and the experience I've had so far, I just got to Godric. I don't know. Did you go against Godric or? Yeah, no? dude, I got like, uh, I'm level like 94. I'm like a hundred hours into the game. <laughs> Damn dude. Okay. Yeah. I'm only like level 30 and I'm at Godric right now. But, What'd you start as? Uh, Samurai. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm very much strength and uh, vitality Always. right now. Um, no magic? Uh, some magic, not much. Um, I, I haven't picked up a staff anywhere to be able to do any of my magic. So yeah. that's what I'm waiting on right now is finding a staff because I do have a healing spell. My faith is up high enough that I can do some healing if I want to. But there's, I, um, I think it's like the meteor staff or something like that that's like oh, just like top tier low level staff. Let's look into it. I did beat. Um, it took me a little bit, but I finally got used to uh, whatever his name was. The big knight, the tree guy. I forget his name, but uh, he's like the first boss that you face, like that mini the, boss. The horse sentinel. Yeah, the sentinel, tree sentinel. I think is what it is. Tree sentinel. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me a little bit to beat him, but I finally did. Um, so it was fun. I had to level up quite a bit. Uh, the first boss that I came across was um, I don't even remember the guy in the cave. No, not the guy in the cave. Uh, although I did beat that one pretty quick. The um, the guy in the cave. But no, there was a no, no, not the guy in the cave. You're talking about the spider looking thing. Uh, no, there's like a like a wolf guy in a cave, like 
right near the beginning area. Like it's over by those um, soldiers that are like in the forest, kind of on your way to that first soldier encampment. Oh, where I you know get, what I like the spirit yeah. ashes and stuff. I know where that cave is. I haven't actively explored that one yet. Um, no, I'm talking about the first boss after you go through, like as you're making your way up to Stormvale Castle. It's the first boss that's in there. So I forget the name of it. Um, but I had somebody actually was able to get summoned into my game. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll jump in. Uh, the mistake I made though, is I put down my soul sign to, uh, you know, get summoned into somebody else's game. So I could ramp up some, some, uh, runes. Cause I guess there are runes in this game and I leveled up and I think I leveled my way out of being able to help people out in that particular area. Mm. So that kind of sucked. Cause I could have just stayed there and consistently had people like, you know, getting 3000 souls every boss battle, but didn't work out that way. Um, but no, so I got the Godric and I took down his first form as we were talking earlier. And then uh, right after I hung up with you where I'm like, hey, I'm in a boss battle right now. I called because he was in the process, like adding the dragon to his arm. Yeah. And uh, at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fucked. <laughs> so I'm going to have to figure out how to approach that one. That's a close combat type of battle um, from what I've seen so far. And, you know, the fire just kind of like really messes things up. So you'll have to send me a picture of your map. I want to see like how much you've explored so far. Okay, yeah, I can take a, a quick snap on, um, you know, screenshot, send it to you. Uh, but yeah, so it, Elden Ring so far has been interesting. Um, the parry is not what I expected. It seems like certain shields allow you to parry versus others is what I've kind of gathered. Um, and each shield has its own respective abilities uh, or not. So like the little shield, I know I can block with it and then I can hit R2 and that will allow me to do a, not a, I guess like a counter attack, but I haven't figured out how to parry in this game, dude. Like it's just, it's been difficult so far. So that's something I'm going to have to kind of practice on. See if there's, did you in the shield or if I have to do it manually, did you get the, um, the whetstone knife? Yeah, I did. So I have the ashes that I've been equipping and such. Cause you can change out like what's on your shield and stuff. Yeah, no, I know. Um, so I, I do. I don't think I have anything that can equip to the shield yet. Is the issue I have? Everything is a sword based. Oh, yeah. I think it's called. Uh, there's one that's no skill, which will let you use your weapons. Ash hmm. of War instead. Yeah. The problem I'm seeing is that when I include my my Ash of War on my weapon is I can't have my shield in hand while I use it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like there's a there's an ash of war you can put on shields. It's mm-hmm. called no skill that makes it so it doesn't override so that you can use whatever your weapons mm. ash of war is while still having the, the shield equipped. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't come across that one yet. So I'm just in pure exploratory mode and kind of marching my way up Stonevale Castle. That's like the most fun part, like at the beginning of the game where you're like, starting to really put together like how big things are and like what the different kind of trope areas are like this is the the thing that i i think after this we could probably have a better conversation about open world and like what my reservations were with like um pokemon arceus and pokemon going open world like there's so much different stuff in elden ring like little nooks and crannies to explore Mm -hmm. that i just never thought game freak would really be able to flesh a world out with 
Like the density of how much stuff there is to find everywhere in Elden Ring is crazy. Yeah, like, you know, and it's like that with a lot of Souls games where you just spot something and you know that you can, there's an end activity there. So like when I was in Stormvale Castle, I saw like there was like this wooden platform. And I was like, okay, I'm on a sweating platform. I look ahead. I'm like, oh, I could totally jump on the side of that wall, make my way across and scale around the edges of the building mm-hmm. and like find random items that like are just hidden there. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like that in a lot of Souls games, just the exploratory components of even just older Souls games. It's the same deal. Like there's crazy things that you can do within the game by just exploring like just your general surroundings and there's so many crazy like door openings everywhere and like creatures hiding behind walls and larger creatures like there's just so much to do and just like even the smallest of areas and that's one of the things i love about those games so much um and of course the challenge is tied to like the boss battles and just the cool factor of it when you come across like you know godric is just a crazy example like you're fighting this guy with multiple arms coming out of his body and he like sticks his fist into the neck of a dragon and becomes alive and he's shooting fire at you like that's all cool stuff yeah yeah do you have any idea like what kind of um weapon type you might wind up or you just kind of still exploring like all the different stuff to find still exploring i would like to find a better samurai sword Um, there's some really good katanas that's what i wound up going with my build yeah, the katana is pretty quick, so I'm going to find a katana build, but we'll see. I mean, you get to a point in these games where um, you get to such a high level that it doesn't matter what you well, use. You just got to scale the weapons up. I'll tell you, um, this game uh, does have like a system to be able to like respec yourself, and uh, it you could be pretty liberal with it. Yeah. So... You know, if you like, I definitely sold a bunch of weapons and stuff and made some choices because I was deliberately just going to stick with the build that I wanted. Yeah. If there's ever anything that you're like, hey, maybe I would want to try this out later. Uh, you're definitely going to have an opportunity where you would be able to respect fairly easily. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I've got whatever the first katana is that you start with right now. And. You know, I haven't done it yet, but I, I got the blacksmith tools and all that. So I could totally like increase its strength and such. And that might help me in my current situation where I'm at. Cause you know, like without any sort of help other than summoning some dogs, right. I was able to take Godric down to about half life. You, you know, you haven't upgraded my, your weapon at all. I've only added a plus one to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've gotten as far as I have on just a plus one starter weapon so it's been kind of challenging just that alone but you know i might upgrade and such because right now it's just accepting uh runes so i might get to a point you know before it starts taking items and just increase its power and see if that helps a bit just to progress the story a little more mm-hmm. yeah but uh okay so i talked a lot uh, yeah, <laughs> what did you pick up yeah what did you uh, pick up? so i just picked up the quarry because oh, sweet we did not uh end up getting the exchange done for uh, beyond two souls mm-hmm. and we wanted something to play so we started that we played i think just like the intro part and i definitely screwed up and made some poor decisions mm-hmm. um but you know you live with the path that you choose did and you play the um i we played, played until one? dawn okay but we didn't play the man from medan i haven't played that one either but i want to I think all three I, I heard that now. one's not super great. 
Oh, gotcha. I'm pretty sure all three are out, though. What? The, the, it's like a whole series. There's three of them. Those games. Uh, the ones that we just went through and named all three of them? The Medan one? Oh, there's more to the man from Medan? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Like it had DLC or, or something? No, there's like... Hold on, let me find it. Okay, so you had the man from Medan, but then there's also like two other games. Oh, I don't know. I never heard of uh, anything. Yeah, it's the uh, Dark Pictures anthology, hmm. I think. Let me double check. Well, anyways, the quarry yeah. is uh, sorry fun. It's a little quirky. Oh, I've got it right here. Um, yeah, so Dark Pictures anthology is House of Ashes, the Dark Pictures, and then the I guess the Man to Medan. Huh. Or yeah, House of Ashes, and then Dark Pictures, Little Hope, and then the other ones. There's three of them. Okay, yeah, I hadn't even heard of those other two. Yeah, go on now. Um, it it does have a little like kind of uncanny valley going mm-hmm. on. I was kind of hoping that, um, you know, more of that would be ironed out. Like, it's still not perfect, but it still looks really good. Like, it, it's not bothersome. Um, the voice acting and the characters so far seem interesting. Um, I like the setting, you know, like creepy camp with the teenagers getting axed off. Um, the intro had, like, some good scares. Not, like, super jump scares, but not, like... You know, more that kind of like uh, signs where it's like you see the thing and it was kind of there the whole time or like just maybe like a sudden brief, but not like a jump out at you kind of scare. Yeah. So uh, I'm digging that. I keep thinking that the uh, direction like indicator for which way to, you know, react mm-hmm. is a, just the circle button but there's like a circle ring closing in around. And then once it hits a certain point, then it shows you the direction to go in. So it gives you like a moment of anticipation, but I just keep hitting the circle button. Like as soon as I can as a reaction. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, Oh wait, no. So it, it's fun. Uh, we're having a good time with that. I look forward to playing more of that. And, and then you're, you're playing another game right now too, aren't you? Um, I mean, I, huh a mobile game right oh yeah so we're gonna talk about this in a little bit but i just did my first next netflix game um we're gonna talk about the netflix shows off some game stuff and there was a game point p mm-hmm. uh by devolver digital um and the guy who made downwell which is a really fun like falling game this is like a jumping and going up game yeah and you're like this little dinosaur thing i think and there's like this big cat snake dragon thing chasing you upwards and you kind of like just bounce off walls and kind of fling yourself like um what is that ori you do kind of like an ori fling or kind Uh of like uh you know, Angry Birds arc launch, but vertically. Mm-hmm. And you have to jump into different fruits to make a recipe. And then when you land, you smash all the fruits into juice and feed the cat thing. Uh, so it gets less angry as it chases you. And then if you bump into something, you get hurt. Or if you don't feed the cat thing in time, you get hurt. 
Uh, as you go through, you get like more jumps, more life. You get like accessory things that you can equip that do minor changes, like make double fruits appear or make you jump higher. Uh, so far, so good. I think that I didn't really expect much from Netflix gaming. Mostly I was thinking of Netflix gaming like on console. And I was like, you know, we should do a Netflix game for an inflation deflation just to check it out, because I'm sure neither of us have ever tried it. Well, I mean, um, you have now. <laughs> well, but I tried it in a way that I didn't even realize, like Netflix gaming on your mobile phone is you go to Netflix and yep. you choose a game and then Netflix sends you to the app store and then you download the game from the app store and then you log into Netflix in the game interesting and then you could play a new mobile game like it's just it's just extra layers to mobile games on your phone but like on a console or on a tv with just a remote like there's certain games you can play with just a remote i'm sure yeah oh i'm so sure i i would be interested to check that out i guess yeah interesting yeah i wouldn't have uh pegged yeah, it like that like that be. type of layer Okay. Check it out. If you have Netflix, and um, I'm sure you do, or you know somebody who has Netflix and you're using theirs anyways, check out Point B. It's fun. Yep. Good stuff. Well, uh, let's dive into, I guess, games, right? So uh, the Summer Games. So uh, many summer games. Game Fest. Yeah. So uh, Jeffrey Park and Polygon. Uh, we're going to be covering this article. We're not really covering it, just going through their list. Well, uh, I don't want to hit everything on here. I, I just want to talk about the stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah. So you start first. So, and then you can comment on these or, or bring up any others. Yeah. So we will kind of go through here in order a little bit. I just kind of stopped caring in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter 6, we already saw Street Fighter 6, but Guile looks cool. So I'm excited for that. Uh, that Aliens Dark Descent game, that looks dumb. Mm -hmm. uh, it had like a really decent CG trailer. And I was like, is this Aliens? Oh, this is definitely Aliens. And then at the last minute, it shows like, like a two or three second clip of just some like very bland, unimpressive looking isometric like squad shooter. And I'm like, yeah. OK, whatever for that. Um, We got to see some more Callisto protocol. I'm sold. Uh, well, I'm sold, too. But there's just this like so Callisto protocol is coming out. Dead Space remake is coming out. Uh, two other games were announced on this list we'll get to but like space zombie sci-fi is like the new in genre I, yeah i completely agree dude like well as i was watching it i'm like another space sci-fi yeah horror game like holy crap now it's not that they're bad it's just come they're on. gonna they're gonna start really being all over the place i like that as a genre though i hope it inspires um maybe not some adaptations but some more hollywood space sci-fi horror I, I always enjoy those mm -hmm. uh let's see so call of duty modern warfare 2 um i don't really yeah, care don't care yeah flashback too we've played flashback haven't we it, it, dude this is a sequel i knew i didn't need yeah <laughs> like i coming from like way in the past that's like such an old game yeah and it's the same format too so that that was interesting, you know, and it says it'll be released at the end of 2022. I mean, um, Oddward Soulstorm did really good and, you know, better than they anticipated, unfortunately, because of the circumstance. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe 
there is a bigger presence now for you know these old more like cinematic platformers to come back maybe uh, uh fort yeah, solace was the next thing that's the other one that's kind of dead spacey and um, they didn't really do too much though in that trailer but um, i like troy baker uh uh-huh. roger clark was good in red dead too so i mean voices are cool space horror mars this yep. is all stuff i can get behind i was down with that one too i thought that was pretty cool uh routine another this is the last sci-fi space horror that we've got on here uh this one looks more like it's weird creepy robots but they said this one was like canceled like 10 years ago and now it's been brought back so interesting yeah, I thought that one was pretty cool. I'm I'm happy to see something like that out. It is a little different in the zombie aspect. It does kind of remind me, though, of the um, whatever alien game it was that came in on PS4 several years back that I played. Isolation. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a robots component. But, you know, still, I mean, it's welcome to check it out. Um, uh, Stormgate, Highwater, I don't really care about either of those. I mean, if I you're into RTS or indies... And I am to an extent like I love playing some RTS. I won't get like super into it, but I'll play it. And um, they didn't really show me enough. Like, I mean, the trailer just doesn't. Obviously, we can go. It seems like it's still early, I guess. But like, I hate RTS games that do that. Like they have this crazy trailer and like all these cool things for it. And it's like, just show me the gameplay because I know that. Yeah, you might have some cinematic trailers, but that's not even close to what the gameplay yeah be like, you really you know? don't get any idea what it looks no. like yeah. so like show me gameplay i don't care about a, a trailer high water looked interesting um but it's the, not my style the next one was so good the goat oh, simulator yeah. 3 trailer like nerfing all the people thinking that it was gonna be a <laughs> dead island trailer or something yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, I, I absolutely liked the approach on that. And, um, you know, I am not somebody that has played a lot of Goat Simulator. I've dabbled in it in the past, but it is a hilarious concept. And the fact that they trolled uh, Dead Island like that was perfect. And if you missed Goat Simulator 2, um, go find it. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. I don't know. Not really the game for me, but um apparently this is going to be pretty good yeah um cuphead i i like cuphead as an idea it was kind of a hard game for me so i don't know about that it's a hard game for everyone (laughs) yeah uh honkai and zenless zone zero those are more mobile games uh tmnt this one i want to talk about tmnt shredder's revenge well hold on zenless zero i thought was uh zenless zone zero i thought it was pretty interesting i don't think it's a mobile game is yeah it? it is it's it's the same people that did honkai and genshin impact it's just a new no that's setting oh i see I, I don't know i thought it was pretty cool looking when i watched it um uh, tmnt shredder's revenge casey jones casey jones awesome john this is gonna be on game pass i'm gonna bring my xbox over and we're gonna play this that works for me uh one piece odyssey i love me some one piece these days um I have never played a One Piece game other than the like arena fighter on GameCube. Um, this is going to be an RPG. Maybe I would play a One Piece RPG. Well, there's there's several One Piece RPGs out there already. Um, and I own a couple of them. But for me, like I haven't watched One Piece and I really want to. So it's like every time I see a One Piece game released or some sort of announcement, it gets me in this mood of like, I really need to just start one piece and just start watching it from the ground up. 
and I just never do. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like it's well, so intriguing. I mean, there's like, only like 800 plus episodes or something. Yeah, it's fine, dude. I can get th- dude. Come on. I went through 800 episodes of Simpsons. You don't think I can do 800 episodes of One Piece? Yeah. <laughs> like well, I, did that. I mean, the thing is, it's not all in English. Oh, really? No, I think somewhere in like the like six or seven hundreds, they haven't gone full English. Oh, so it's not dubbed out yet. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Because my friend recently switched over to the Japanese, finished it, and then switched over to the manga. And I think he's almost caught up on the manga now. And he just went on hiatus, so... Uh, you know, that's one of those things that, like, do I just wait for the show to just be done? I mean, honestly, you're probably better off. But, like, if I, I'm trying to get caught up by the time that it's going to be over mm-hmm. so that I can really be there and enjoy the moment when it's over, like, with everybody else, I think that'll be a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, I think what I need to do is just kind of I need to finish South Park and then. Uh, jump into uh, Dragon Ball GT and finish that. And I, I've got GT on DVD if you want it. Oh, dude, loan it to me then. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, watch it. So, um, Saints Row, Boss Factory, that's nothing. Nightingale, mm-hmm. we've heard about before. This was the most we've seen of Nightingale. And I mm-hmm. was actually really kind of moved towards this. I thought it, this looked interesting. Same. It piqued my interest for sure. And it's it's one that I'm going to keep my eye on. Um, um last one here i think right? layers of fear that looks eh, kind of okay i guess i thought it was pretty cool but it's just another horror game <laughs> you know yeah. like that's the thing there's so many horror games coming out like why yeah. <laughs> you know there's other genres and then we've got gotham knights which i'm sure people will be into that and then we've got the last of us part one remake version two why do we need this like it makes zero so i was talking to justin earlier and um, we talked about how Last of Us had its remake or not remake, but it's a remaster on PS4 and the PS5 is backwards compatible to the PS4. So, so why, the would thing, you, why would you need this? The thing that they did, I guess um, they added the DLC. I know that. Well, I've only played the first part of the first game. You played the second game, right? I played both, yeah. So the combat's way better in the second game, right? I mean, it's a little bit of the same for the most part. It's a good game, but it's so not. They, they're overhauling like all of the mechanics and stuff to be in line with how the second game plays. So that in the future, if people want to go back and re-experience the story, both games play the same and both games look fantastic. As opposed to they both look great, but the first one's kind of janky. I mean, they want to get away from that and just have like this definitive these two games and this HBO show are like the legendary movies as games as product. I just think it's unnecessary. I mean, look, there's games that have been out yeah. on the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 years and years and years, right? Over time. Bloodborne. Remake Bloodborne. Don't there remake you go. this. Yeah, don't remake this. Remake. No, give, don't remake Bloodborne. Give me Bloodborne 2. Like, you know, like it's just so unnecessary. Like why? And not saying that they make it, but like, why do we need another, like a remaster or a remake of a game that just came out on the PS3 and it was remastered for the PS4. Like, it's just not needed. Like make other games, like give me a new Jack and Daxter game. 
you know, don't give me Last of Us Part One again. What are we going to get? Like, an, and it's being developed for PC on top of that. So why why not just give me Jack and Daxter or you know something else along those lines? I just don't understand the reason for yet another remake yeah. of something that's that's frequent. It's not even like like Final Fantasy VII. I totally understand the remake aspect. Resident Evil games, I totally understand the remake aspects, right? Like Resident Evil Four is on PS2 totally get remaking it into current gen graphics last of us part one is not that far from what we just experienced yeah you know and especially with the ps4 remaster like it's just it's ridiculous so yeah that that one kind of bugged me um yeah and that that's how they closed it out so that was all of summer game fest i think that they had some pretty decent stuff in here overall i don't think it's like the best conference thing i've ever seen but i mean I think that, um, you know, Jeff's really put on a good show. And I think that as we go on, it will eventually just kind of help to replace E3. Mm Because I think that it's got enough traction. The people are so grateful to him, like, uh, and really like being able to, like, go there on stage and present that, you know, there too. And it's not as much pressure. Like, it moves a lot quicker than things do at, like, an E3 conference. So, I like it. Yeah. Uh, next up was the Devolver show. Did you actually watch the Devolver show? Um, I did not watch the full Devolver show, but I was. I'm looking you watched at... the trailers. Wait, which which one are we talking about here? Uh, Summer Games Fest. So I just put notes under my notes for this first one. So Devolver Digital had a showcase as well. Oh, I didn't even yeah. catch that. So yeah, you you go ahead. So um, it it was okay. I mean, Devolver always does really over the top crazy stuff, and they had um, Suda Fifty One on there, mm-hmm. and he was kind of funny. It, it was okay. Uh, I think the last year's one was better, uh, but they showed off four really great looking games. The first one is Cult of the Lamb. I don't know too much about it. It's um, I I, I didn't really pay too much attention to that one honestly uh it looked cute it looked like there's uh you're a lamb and you're trying to save this pig that's been kidnapped by this cult in this town um it's like a cute 2d looking game but also has that like devolver edge to it Mm -hmm. uh lots of demonic symbols and stuff uh the next one angerfoot angerfoot looks great it's like a first person um hotline miami where you just like kick the shit out of everything um the next one john plucky squire you should look up the trailer for this one this one looks incredible so uh it starts off as like a 2d like book and then you're this like cute little 2d character walking around in this book uh solving puzzles like dropping words in to change the world and then all of a sudden you're off the page in a 3d world it's kind of like um i don't know like paper mario meets like Sackboy, or maybe like some kind of idea on uh like the zelda where you went from like 2d to 3d i'm watching it right now that's pretty cool actually yeah i like that it it looks like that's going to be a huge huge next hit for them and then the last one skate story is a very atmospheric like skateboarding game 
where you're like a demon made of glass trying to skate your way out of hell or something. I, it looks like the Dark Souls of skating games. Well, if my YouTube advertisement would not have come up, I would already be commenting on Skate Story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Plucky Squire, though. That looks really good, doesn't it? Yeah, no, Plucky Squire looks pretty cool. I'm actually intrigued to see if, like, maybe you go through different books and such. Over well, time. And it showed them, like, like even on, like, the thermos that was sitting on the desk. Like, he was, like, doing side-scrolling, like, on around the thermos. It was very cute. Yeah, uh, yeah, Skate Story looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, what is it? Super hot, kind of. Like, yeah, very kind of like uh, simple shapes and stuff. But Are you made out of like glass or something. Yeah, huh. it's pretty cool. So yeah, no, I like that. The Devolver Showcase. It was like about twenty-five minutes for four trailers or you could just go watch the trailers yeah um so the next thing that we'll cover here we're talking about the netflix shows off sonic prime and an impressive lineup of any games maybe we'll run through this list a little bit faster because honestly there wasn't a whole lot there that i was super interested in yeah um so let's see there, there's a ton obviously a lot of their shows are talking about um on here Sandman but... looks cool do you have any familiarity with Sandman no I know it's Neil Gaiman but I haven't really been familiar with it I've always heard it's really good I am interested to see that or maybe try reading it at some point yeah so um let's see we got Cuphead season two uh there's an anime for Tekken uh, One Piece some... show got uh -huh. some behind the scenes stuff one piece we've got um let's see a sonic the hedgehog show that's being announced uh castlevania nocturne uh is uh another game-based series that they have coming out again um so this one actually follows richard belmont mm. so it's pretty cool uh queen's game richard. chess game or victor sorry um yeah richter belmont sorry uh yeah i'm gonna get slammed on that one huh? richard belmont richard you belmont. know good old dick belmont dick belmont he <laughs> dicks you all the time uh <laughs> he's got a whole different kind of whip i've had i've had a quite a morning dude um okay so queen's gambit uh chess game which i thought was kind of lame um well, they made it they did made you it watch look the like, trailer yeah they made it look like, like this super cool game but i'm like it's, it's just chess as good of a, like we were talking earlier, like if I'm going to go on my TV and play chess against somebody, I mean, that's as good as you're going to get. Really? Yeah. I, I would not expect anybody else but Netflix to have put this much attention to detail and time into a chess game. I so guess. more more power to them. There is a Shadow and Bone RPG, which uh, if you have not watched Shadow and Bone, it's pretty cool. Um, let's see. They've got La Casa de Papel is a heist adventure, I guess. Uh, too hot to handle game which is kind of weird um given like if you know about that show yeah. then you would agree it's kind of a weird thing um let's see hextech mayhem uh they have uh three kingdoms so uh reigns three kingdoms which is actually uh it looks like a digital devolver game on here yeah um that's yeah. a that's another like classic game that's one where you just like swipe left and right mm -hmm. uh, interesting uh raji yeah. which uh, is going to be a uh, hard coming, release coming to our friend premium edition games. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So you can get a premium edition games version and play it on your, uh, on your TV, I guess, or your phone. I think it's it out there game. and then buy it. You got a uh, point P which you played. Yep. And talked about one. earlier. 
Uh, there is Desta, The Memories Between, which is a turn-based strategy game. Um, we've also got Alto's Adventure and Skate City Developer Snowman. Or no, sorry, that's uh, from Alto's Adventure and Skate City Developer Snowman. Uh, Lucky Luna is the title of this one. And Lucky Luna actually looks pretty cool as uh, I was watching that one. So if you haven't seen the trailer for Lucky Luna, check that one out. Uh, and then in general on here, uh, they talk about uh, Netflix has plans for 50 available games by end of year. Like they're going all in, dude. And it yeah. seems like a majority is going to be on mobile. And if they're able to get, you know, I guess I never really gave them credit. Like I always thought that the games that they were going to have on there were just going to be like Angry Birds and stuff that you already know about. But like the fact that like, I'm not saying that like point B is like drastically different than those types of games. It's still the same kind of type of game, but um, it's in like a good game with, uh, you know, a good history, um, you know, a respectable developer that usually puts out quality products. So like if they're able to get more things like that, and uh raji um you know even developing their own like this um queen's gambit game like mm-hmm. they're really putting way way more effort into this than i ever thought that they were going to so i i really think that netflix um is gonna go much further in this than than i expected them to uh, so yeah it very much surprised me when i was watching the trailers for those things and like just reading into that article, like what was going on. And then obviously their commitment to gaming by bringing on TV shows as well. So like it's becoming a one-stop shop in a sense where, okay, cool. Like I'm going to watch some Castlevania and then, Oh cool. I'm going to watch some Sonic. All right, well let me go ahead and play some Raji or let me play lucky Luna. Once they get to the point where they have a killer IP that they've developed that they can release day and day with a series and both of them are successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, the door really opens up to them to have like a, an experience that nobody else really has. Like, you know, it takes a lot for the stars to line up for like a new company to have, you know, an IP, a place to show that IP a place to play that IP and all of them are all in house. Yeah. And they could really do all of that. Yeah, they can. They're definitely set up for success with that. And or maybe not in house, but they could license all of it and make it work in a way that, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think is more than we thought. So good on, good on Netflix, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, diving into uh, more of his cloud gaming and, you know, just uh, the different competitors that are out there for this market. Uh, so Microsoft is planting seeds for cloud gaming uh, supremacy. And that's uh, Daniel Howley at Yahoo Finance. So, you know, really covering that, you know, Microsoft is poised for a lot of success here within the cloud gaming space um, by going ahead and the recent announcement of, you know, putting uh, applications essentially on the new Samsung TVs. Uh, we talked about the project Keystone. I'm wondering if that's even going to be a thing, that whole dongle, uh, given that, you know, if it's going to be on Samsung TVs and potentially more TVs down the road, and there's going to be people that are going to want that on their TV, right? Or organizations. You're going to have uh, Toshiba and TCV and all these other companies out there that are going to put this application on there uh, without a doubt. They're, they're going to need to, uh, to be competitive against the Samsung. And, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, you'd brought up Netflix kind of set up for success, but, 
you know, Amazon too, man. Like I see your notes here. Um, so kind of steal your thunder, but like, I also didn't realize that Luna was free on prime. Yeah. If you had prime and they're in a similar position because you have prime video and you had like, what happens if they decide, Hey, we're going to release the boys in an action game, mm-hmm. you know, after the crazy success that series has had, or some of the other like prime shows that are out there that have been pretty decent, you know, video games tied to those, like they're also set up in a, in a way that are going to be super successful. But, you know, I think Microsoft is, is going to be number one in this space, uh, predominantly because of what they've been able to do with Xbox game pass. They've made it super affordable. They've, uh, brought in tons of different uh, developers to uh, obviously develop for us. They've purchased organizations to develop games as first party as well as third party. So they're really going to be a behemoth in this space. And most likely moving forward, I mean, I've I predicted a while back that I think they are they are ultimately done with hardware after this uh, set of Xboxes out, and uh, they are likely going to move into more of that cloud gaming space and potentially putting their games on you know competitors like Sony and Nintendo and such moving forward. I well, think that's this, why. Oh, go on. This partnership with Samsung, I mean, cloud gaming on Samsung, yeah. like if it's going to be pre-installed on samsung tvs i'm guessing next year's samsung phones come with game pass pre-installed as well why mm-hmm. not yeah exactly and what are you gonna do sony like sony gotta... has to at least put their technology into their bravia line of tvs if they don't respond to this by doing that like they're already gonna be a stage behind in their own tech they're already a stage behind because, you know, their tech right now, like you can do the the new Sony, whatever you're doing, right? You could do it on your PS4, your PS5, and you can do it on PC. Like that's it right now, right? And which is fine, except for the fact that they are priced at a higher price point than Microsoft is right now. I think to to be able to do all of that, it's like $17.99 a month. So they're priced higher to Microsoft. Microsoft has some great studios now. Yeah, you know, I it, do it's we not know? a good spot for Sony. Do we know if Sony? So, like another thing they mentioned in here is how Microsoft is going to start allowing uh, subscribers to be able to play certain games that they own and have purchased through the cloud streaming, not just the only on Game Pass games. So, I don't know if Sony has, um has that or not because i've never really tried to engage with it uh i think I have they have like to. remote play though where you could just like remote into your playstation from your phone you can technically so i mean or at least you i, I think i haven't that, tried in a long time yeah i think game pass or microsoft is being kind of not everything is going to be that way at first but the way that they've expanded a lot of those programs in the past like how many, you know, disc based games can you still go in now and play in your most recent Xbox? Cause they expanded that backwards compatibility library, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that didn't we cover a thing a little while ago where they were talking about possibly like a disc, like confirmation thing where you can like put a disc into your old Xbox and then it can connect to your new Xbox and give you the license to be able to use the game. I think we had talked about that as maybe something that they should start instituting. Yeah. So there's, you know, 
they're really taken off in ways that Sony definitely needs to address. Like they've definitely made the first step towards addressing that by mm-hmm. changing their PlayStation Plus and coming out with these new tiers. But obviously, Microsoft is shooting way higher, way faster. So let's see yeah. what Sony does now. Yep. No, I, it's it's always interesting to see how this gaming space is, and you know, as as disinterested as I am in cloud gaming, in particular, and non physical titles it's interesting to see what's going on you know um i personally don't want to go into that world of playing cloud-based stuff but you know if it kind of comes to that i'm not gonna have a choice and uh, it's not like i'm gonna stop playing video games right so all right let's dive into our inflation deflation this week uh we played some mischief makers and uh it is on the n64 it was developed by treasure it was published by Nintendo. Not is it Nintendo, Ryan? Is that is that your your purposeful yeah. like trying to mess me up? Okay. So uh, published by Nintendo, uh, directed by uh, Hideyuki uh, Suganami. Pretty sure I got that. And it was released in October of 1997. It is a platformer, and I will quickly just kind of read off the wiki. Uh, you play as a robotic maid named Marina. And she journeys to save her kidnapped creator. The story takes place on the planet Clancer, a world on the cusp of civil war due to the actions of the Emperor and his Imperial forces. The Emperor brainwashes Clancers to kidnap the visiting robotics genius Professor Thea. So that's kind of a general concept. Um, this game in particular, uh, reception-wise, is mixed. Uh, it's anywhere from... Uh, like a 6.2 all the way up to like a 90 now uh, and 95. Now the thing about the 90 on here is it's N64 magazine. So not exactly a reputable source, I feel, uh, given that there's a little bias there, right? But when you start looking at things like IGN, uh, GameSpot, um, even Nintendo Power, oddly enough, the game is below a 7 in overall reception. Game Informer is a 7 out of 10. Uh, so yeah, very mixed reviews overall here. And I would have to agree with them, dude. I was extremely excited to play this game, but as we dug into it, it just was okay. Like it's a platformer, but it's got a lot of complicated aspects to it. Um, you know, having to attach to these like clancer balls and stuff and shake them to do different things. And, you know, you have like a bunch of stars you have to collect throughout, of a game and like collecting the stars allows you to open up certain areas or allow things to kind of happen in the world. And you go from like a level to level perspective, like you would a standard, you know, platformer. Right. But it just, it misses for me. Like it just doesn't really hit home as much as I thought it would. And I, I had heard some decent things from people in the past about this game, but it just, yeah, just wasn't a huge fan, dude. What were your thoughts overall? Yeah, I was the same. Like, I've always heard really good things about this game out there, um, from like YouTubers and stuff. I guess I don't know anybody in person really has ever told me anything about it. Uh, but then again, John's mostly the person I talk to old games about with. Um, it was weird. Like, there just wasn't enough direction to really understand what you needed to do in the first couple levels. And I feel like this is one of those games. And I think somebody in the wiki here was saying as much, but like, I think once you get through some of the game and you kind of develop your own ideas on what it is trying to point you towards or 
you know, what the general idea is. Like eventually we got past the level because I was like, okay, I mean, if I just grab and shake everything, eventually I'll figure out what does what. Yeah. And you just kind of had to trial and error through it. And I mean, that was a huge approach to gaming back in the day, especially like this was a new thing. Like nobody had ever made a game where jumping around and shaking stuff was the gameplay. So, you know, they tried a thing. Um, the novelty must just work for some people. I mean, I don't have enough patience to really get a super ton of fun out of most platformers just on their own anyways. So this just probably doesn't have the get up and go. I really need to be invested in. But I mean, if you are somebody who just likes quirky platformers or, you know, new, interesting control uh, styles, it's a lot of like jump, grab, jump, grab, shake, that kind of thing. You um, know, controls for me were not very good. I thought they were pretty complicated for what we were trying to do. There was a lot going on with that. Uh, graphically, I didn't even think like there's other games on the N64 that hold up much better than this. Uh, I just, you know, it was super muddled. It, there's a lot of other platforms you can play out there that are better quality. And you're right. Story-wise, it's just like, yeah, we kind of got the gist of what was going on, but it wasn't like super intriguing, you know, right off the bat. We went through quite a few levels um did we i thought we only did like four no we went through like i think up to five or six on that first area so it 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 wasn't and that's the thing man like as i'm going through a game i want something to captivate me quickly right and when you play other types of platformers like a mario or a donkey kong or a kirby or anything like that right you're generally pretty engaged after the first few levels and like you want to continue a story because the gameplay's fun uh the controls are generally pretty smooth there's some semblance of story that's tied to it that gets you interested in what's actively occurring and this just didn't hit on any of those and the musical score wasn't even that good um so it i was super disappointed with this i i, I was excited when we popped in the console and then when we were done i was like this is lackluster i think that this game probably suffers from the fact that the n64 doesn't have a huge library and you know it's very clear what like the best games on the console are Mm -hmm. uh, because they're still beloved today and i think this game kind of falls into kind of more of the middle of the pack where you know once you've played everything else, you know, this is probably some place that you're going to wind up landing on. And, you know, half the people are going to be into it, you know, because it is just another N64 game that they've never played. Or, um, you know, it's it doesn't have a lot of competition for, you know, people i i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say i i'm trying to basically get what you i get what you mean like it's just yeah there's a small a smaller library in n64 i totally get that and this is a fallback at the end of the day like when you don't have much else to play on the n64 and you want to try something new this is honestly just a fallback and there's not a whole lot of other platformers i guess on the n64 that are like this you know when i say there's other platforms there's no mischief makers too yeah probably for good reason and yeah, and there's other platformers. There's just not necessarily one like this. And we're talking in a world of 3D platformers. This was a 2D, 
you know, during 5D, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just it's not that great. So brass tax on this man, you're looking at complete in boxes sitting at 160, 165. Uh, it peaked at 204 in a uh, 20470 in September of last year. It is trending downwards. Um, a loose copy right now running at 3873. That peaked in March of this year at 4149. It's trending up. Uh, our rating on this, I'm going to say inflated, dude. Yeah, me too. I mean, it may be, um, it's a cult classic is what it comes down to. It may be a cult classic and it may not have, um, you know, I, I looked at the list. I looked at the list on price charting. I looked at what was just kind of below it and what was just kind of above it. And you can buy way better games on the system for less. Yeah. And you can buy way worse games for more. Like, I guess I just think that $38 is just too much for me to spend on a lackluster N64 game. Like, Mm -hmm. it's definitely inflated, I think. Yeah. 100% agree with you on that. All right. Well, I have no idea what we're playing next week. We'll figure it out, though. Yeah, we'll we'll (laughs) figure it out as always. Uh, We will look at my magic shelves and just pick something off of the shelf. Maybe, uh, I don't know. We got to see if that one piece RPG, maybe we can play around that. Or, or here's an idea. The demo for, um, uh, what's it called? The Hellsinger game? Metal Hellsinger? Oh, yeah. It's out, the demo. Ooh, we should play that. Yeah, I've wanted to play that. We should All play right, that. Let's, let's play that next week. We'll do a review of that demo. See how it is. Get our thoughts. And, you know, it kind of falls into the game deflators, uh, you know, into our line of view and what we typically do. We, we essentially demo games and then, you know, give our thoughts on it from, you know, whether you should play it if, uh, you know, you like the initial aspects of it. So definitely curious on that one. And it's got all the music I like. So it kind of flows. Yeah, you'll you'll be like right at home. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, it depends on how the gameplay is. I did see some early on like people commenting on Twitter about it, and a lot of people actually like it. So I'm excited to try it out. So. All right. Well, this has been episode 187 of Game Flares podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.